This is To The Point. A Rhino Experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Cristiano, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast. And man, I'm excited. I'm always excited to bring on a guest, especially one I've gotten to know a little bit um, and just to hear the things that they've done in the past and what I've known about Brandon, who's our guest on today, and um, just share some of the things that they're getting involved with in the industry and the, the, some of the massive things that they've been a, a part of and that Brandon's been a part of. And um, I think we met in this exact same setting, Brandon, like uh, I don't even know how, this might have been six, maybe a year ago, something around, around, around that time frame, I can't remember, but I got... My man, Brandon Dawson, on, uh, who's co-founder and CEO of Cardone Ventures. Um, I'm certain if you're in the HVAC industry, the plumbing industry, you've heard that name kind of floating around a little bit more here over the last few years. And I'm excited to kind of share some of what they've been doing and some of the successes and things of that nature. So, Brandon, brother, it's good to have you on, man. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on your show. I, I appreciate it. So I think, when was it that Anna and I came over and met you and Natalie at your guys' Scottsdale location? Has that been like a couple, I mean, shit, time is flying. So I don't really know, but it had, that's. Yeah, I think, I think we've been in comms for 18 months and I think you guys came, I, I, I'm with you, man. I've been all over the world. So somewhere in the last year to six months, we had a really good sit down. Yeah. I mean, it was good to kind of see you guys build over there. And it was crazy. Cause like I said, we have a, you know, a friend from our neighborhood that, you know, that works for you guys, you know? And so it was just kind of cool to see how all these little worlds collided, but it's it, nonetheless, like it's intriguing to hear what you guys are, are doing and kind of being able to look a little bit under, you know, behind the curtain to see what you guys are doing at Cardone Ventures. And I want to make sure our listeners can experience that because it's my job to let the industry know all the options, right? To kind of bring as many tools and, and things as I can to them and let them decide what they want to do, regardless of are out in their business. But some of the metrics that you use and share with me on how you guys run these businesses is interesting. So I want to kind of dig into it and talk about it. So I appreciate you hopping on. Now, listen, like before Cardone, you had like a ridiculously successful career. You made like a stellar exit, man. <laughs> and I, I want you to share a little bit of your history kind of up to present day, just so our listeners kind of understand you a little bit better and where you've been with your business um, and just the whole, like your whole business, you know, path. Yeah. I'll try to give you the 10,000 foot level. So in my twenties, when I was 26, I decided I wanted to, to become an entrepreneur. And uh, I went out and, and met with hundreds of business owners offering to partner with them, people who were thinking of exiting in the hearing care space and found people who were tired, burned out, didn't want to work anymore. And, and basically started doing partnership arrangements. And I parlayed that into a private equity backed public company that I took public on the American stock exchange in 1998 backed by uh, Warburg Pincus. I was 29 years old, rang the opening bell, of the American stock exchange oh. and went out and bought 138 businesses in 36 months and really learned a lot about private equity, uh, the debt markets, uh, the structures, and 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 also learned it's easy to buy. It's really difficult to operate. And so, as part of that seven-year process, that took me into my early thirties. I learned what businesses that were successfully. Uh, doing versus businesses that were struggling. And about 80% of the consolidation companies that were examples that my private equity guys would put in front of me, oh, you could be like this, or you could be like that. They were out of business when we sold uh, that original business. And, and the private equity guys decided to sell it without giving a shit about what I thought. So I kind of got burnt. We were just on the uptick seven years they were involved for four and a half. We were starting to become very profitable. We were starting to go to global expansion. And that's where I learned about capital structures and, and preferences and control and all the things that, unfortunately, a lot of entrepreneurs, when they access private equity, figure out when, when the private equity groups decide to exercise control. And it set me off on a different path. And that path was I wanted to build my next business. They sold the business. I left it, tried to buy it back. They kicked me to chairman, which effectively is like being fired, brought a guy in, a hatchet guy to sell it. And I was pissed. Yeah. And so uh, it took me a couple of years to formulate my own strategy. But the, what I wanted to do is innovate how consolidation 
how franchise organizations, how independent business owners could grow and scale and create massive value together, not doing it the private equity way, because that's all about them, not necessarily about the entrepreneur. And when it works, it's phenomenal. Most of the time it doesn't work. Most of the time the business owners that get involved with that get screwed over. Uh, it's, it's rare they have huge success with it. And so we went on this journey of how to build a business without needing anybody else's money, without giving up control and by aggregating and consolidating hundreds, if not thousands of independent businesses that could work together and create massive value together. And most importantly, capture that value together. And I launched that in 2005. I sold it in 2016 for 77 times EBITDA, $151 million to a billion-dollar company. And in 36 months, we deployed what I had built into their ecosystem and grew them to $4.5 billion. And so that was really my test to go from $1 billion to $4 billion. And then uh, I partnered with Grant Cardone and said, hey, let's take this to the universe. And we launched this business three and a half years ago. And, and it took me 14 years to organically build and grow and create systems and technology and platforms to have that exit. Uh, but I've, I've, I've built a business three times bigger with Grant Cardone in the last 36 months. Um, what's, what's really important to note is I, I hired FTI Consulting in 2009. I noticed you have your flag behind you and it has 2009 on it, That's right. your centennial area. So so I hired FTI and did a research project. We look at thousands of independent industries. We looked for businesses that were going to go through disruption, consolidation, uh, technology changes, and, and started mapping and charting that 2009, 10, 11, and 12, 4,000 unique business uh, industries. And then when I sold the business in 16, I hired IGS out of Boston. And that's who a lot of the private equity guys use for their due diligence. And we refreshed that work. And, and, and we're talking about home services, but from 2009, predictably home services was going to be a pop in marketplace. And the lead indicators for when it was going to heat up was the EBITDA multiples growing by anywhere from 50 to 70%. And if you owned an HVAC business in 2010, 11, or 12, you were maybe offered two and a half to five times EBITDA. Right. Today, you could be offered anywhere from seven to 20 Two like Ken uh, sold for, okay. and and the private equity guys have been in the hunt. Leonard Green with 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 uh, the Wrench Group, these guys have been dying to get into this space, deploy technology, wrap it with service offerings and and best practices, and it is at the beginning of the cycle in the last basically thirty six months. And what our research has showed is any industry that goes through a cycle like this. It's usually about a 10 year window and, and you want to get in, you want to get in right and do it the right way to capture the most amount of value. So we are very excited about HVAC. Yeah, man. Welcome to the space. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, well, you mentioned the flag behind me for um, our listeners. I'm actually not doing the podcast from the studio today, which is the, I think maybe, maybe the, well, I think during COVID I did a few from my cabin up North, but I'm sitting in my office mainly because Every play, my studio is being used as a conference room. We have all of our leadership in town too. So it's, it's, it's quite energetic around here, but he's referencing my Indianapolis 500 flag for those who knows old school race car driver. Um, it's been exciting, man, to watch you kind of come into the space and just kind of listen to you and your vision and um, just all the, like your career and in anytime something new, you know, or exciting or um, shiny objects, you know, come to this whole HVAC electrical plumbing world, I always like to pay close attention. It just so happens that we have, you know, even now we have a few mutual um, customers that, that we work with together and it's just exciting, man. Like I always like hearing new stuff and I, I want our listeners to kind of hear what that looks like from your perspective. I mean, it's interesting to hear you say that you think it's got like a 10 year life cycle. Um, I hear like all kinds of different things too, um, but it's a question that I get asked often, Hey, how long is this window going to be open? And really it's, you know, for you, I mean, you probably have a better idea on the pulse than I do. Um, but I agree. I think it's still got a lot of runway left in it too. And, and the multiples are ridiculous. I mean, I just had the same conversation with a great buddy of mine who is in, officially in OI last week, you know, and with a phenomenal multiple. So like, I don't see it going the opposite way anytime soon, but there's other options too that you can do. So 
what in the, I mean, you, so you said that kind of from that 2009 on, you you heard like rumblings of the whole home services space. What, like what, was there something in particular there that just like attracted you to kind of get into this HVAC world? Like, yeah, what was uh, it? absolutely. And, and it wasn't rumblings. I mean, I paid millions of dollars of research to understand what are going to be the industries that trade at low values that are going to go through some kind of convergence or some kind of disruption or some kind of additional service platforms they can add to their business that would create massive value. And we've been doing that research now. Again, it's been 11 years and we've proven it out across the different industries. When I launched with Grant Cardone, it was with the idea of going out to hundreds of thousands of businesses to understand what's happening dynamically in real time in those spaces we've been doing research in. And so if you just look at the traditional cycle of consolidation in any industry, the big private equity guys, usually it starts with a small player who goes and aggregates a handful of businesses we would call them a regional dominant player. And then they access private equity. And then private equity comes in and private equity considers a business that's doing between 125 million and 175 million, what they call a platform company. Now, for, for your listeners to understand, this is true across all industries. So as much as everyone that works in an industry wants to believe they're special or unique in a certain way, statistically, and from a process and a strategic standpoint, the behavior is almost 100% duplicated as private equity moves from industry to industry. So the lead indicator for private equity getting very excited is trying to buy a platform company. So what you'll have is you'll have the small private equity guys playing in those regional consolidation plays, or you'll have an entrepreneur use debt, access debt, or, or different kind of partnership structures for expansion. But what a platform company is, specifically a platform company has operational excellence across 10 separate categories. First, a platform company has First and foremost, a strategy. Secondly, it's got a marketing machine. It can generate clients across the spectrum of the enterprise. Third, it's got a sales process that's been documented. It's re replicated, it's duplicated, and it's automated so that it creates the most amount of leverage. And then fourth, it's got people. It's got leadership. It's got competency. It's got... Uh, people who come from bigger, uh, higher run businesses that understand across all 10 of these categories, the things that need to be done with operational excellence and proficiency. Then once you have the people, it goes to the finance. It's, it's got finance sophistication associated with it. So it has real time reporting. It has uh, cash to, to, to budget. It's got rolling forecasts. It's got data collection capabilities for, for understanding revenue cycles and predict, predictability with pivot tools. It's like fully automated with cash competencies inside the organization. So those five, and then you've got data, you've got leadership, you've got automation, technology. Uh, and then you have, in addition to that, operational excellence and proficiency across all 10 of these. And the 10th and most important category of a platform company is investment thesis, what to buy, when to buy, where to buy, who to buy, and how to buy. So, so for your listeners to understand is if you go across those 10 different categories, you cannot get to 150, 125, to 175 million. If you're not on a scale of one to 10 in each one of those categories, at least a six, seven, eight, nine, or 10. But when you're a 5 million or a 10 million, you might be a one or two in one or two of those categories. And as you get bigger across all 10 of those categories, you start to get more width, more experience, more excellence, more leadership. But there's no way you're going to make it to 125, $175 million if all 10 aren't in place. So the private equity groups have to one of two ways get to the 10 elements. They either go out and buy a bunch of small businesses where they kind of smash it together and hope that from smashing it together, leaders will emerge and figure this stuff out. So that's one way to race into a marketplace that's getting ready for consolidation. Then the strategy is buy a bunch of small businesses at low multiples of EBITDA 
and amalgamate them into your system because now you have a team, you have technology, and you can automate and do things. And this is, by the way, how I met you because so many people in the home services space said, if there's one guy you got to work with, it's you. And so I think I set a call up with you or you and I bounced into each other because different people were talking to each of us about each other. So, you know, a community tends to know who's really good at what they do, and they tend to know who's not really good. And you surface as someone who is remarkable at what you do. So I wanted to meet you as well. And, And so for your listeners, we've done these studies, and we've looked at the different ways private equity comes into the marketplace. Now, the fastest way, because you have mid-tier, you have low-tier, mid-tier, high-tier private equity groups. A Leonard Green would be a high, high-tier private equity group. And what they would do, or like the firm that bought uh, Ken, what they would do is they would wait till a business, a business owner found a way to 125 to 175 million. And then they would go in and acquire them in one swoop because they know all 10 of those elements have to be in place at some level. And then they can go with that group and start acquiring a whole bunch of small businesses. This behavior is so consistent and so predictable. And the strategies in which private equity move into a marketplace have been duplicated across thousands of markets. So for those people that are saying, because I've heard this, you've heard it, what does Brandon Dawson and Grant Cardone know about the HVAC space? Well, what I know is I've spent over three and a half million studying these markets, studying the behavior of consolidators, studying the behavior of private equity group, being a recipient of over 45 million of private equity money, raising over $500 million for multiple businesses in the last 10 years, taking a billion dollar company into 4 billion, knowing the predictable behaviors that money moves into marketplaces and, and what's happened in this space in particular, it's happening across home services, but what's happening in HVAC is a traditional technical private equity move into grabbing the biggest and largest regional businesses possible, paying high valuations so they can amalgamate, consolidate, aggregate all the little not so well run businesses into those businesses to take advantage of the move from just installing sheet metal and, and, and compressors and doing traditional work to technology run businesses where people sign up on apps and they have recurring revenue, they have renewable revenue, they have add-on revenues, they have predict, predictable abilities for revenues. And there's been so many different industries that have gone through this. I could cite the research across 10 different, very specific examples that would apply to HVAC. But the reason we got involved is when Ken's business traded, it was a key indicator that private equity is going to pay huge multiples for platform companies. And and here's the sad part. The smaller businesses, as this heats up, their multiples right now might be a little hotter than they normally be, but they're going to start to go down over time because the private equity groups will be like, why buy when we can build? Because they've created critical mass. Real quick, real quick. Let me just interrupt you for just a second. When you say smaller, give the listeners an, an idea of what, of like size. Yeah. Anything under probably 50 million. So, so if you're, if you're between 3 million and 50, so at a million private equity is going to be like, you're two, you're an add on, you're, 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 you're a distribution point. And, and, and they know if they come into your market, they'll just assimilate you because, and, and, and we've done several of those deals with business owners that are like, Hey, I'm throwing the flag in. I can't run my business. I love what I do. I've got it to 3 million or 5 million or 10 million, but I'm overwhelmed and I want, and I want to preserve the value I've created. We've just stepped in and become their partners. And we've, we've, we're, already over a quarter of a billion dollars. People said when I moved in and announced that we were coming in, this you and I laughed about this. People are like, what does Grant Cardone and Brandon Dawson know about about HVAC? And I laughed about it because I'm like, I probably know more about HVAC than the average guy running his HVAC business for 25 years. Because every major deal that's happened in HVAC, I've known the principles. I've watched the market. I've studied the behaviors. I'm looking at what a what a poor run business looks like, a mediocre run business looks like, a, a, a excellent business and a remarkable business. And I can tell you based on the financial indicators and the growth trajectory of those businesses in the balance sheet, who's who. So 
So the, the fact is, is that I want to share this with business owners so they can capture the value of their business, either by partnering or, or, or structuring their organization correctly to maximize their life's work. Because I was a scorned, burnt, pissed off, private equity acquired business owner who has vowed to help independent business owners capture the value they deserve for their life's work. And that's my mission. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Yeah, man. And that's what connected me to you instantly was that message right there. Because ultimately that's like, that's the feel good piece of this, right? Like, but you're pulling from past experience and then trying to change that, you know, potentially change that narrative for somebody else, you know, and I want, I want our listeners to understand what a um, partnership looks like with, you know, with Cardone Ventures, like on this whole thing. So Give some context of what that is. And I don't know if it's different models. And by the way, listeners, we're talking about HVAC, but you don't just work with HVAC companies. Other home services companies you work with as well. So maybe just kind of share you know, some of the other um, verticals that you guys are working with, some of the other industries, but also what does it look like when a contractor comes to you and says, Brandon, waving the white flag, like what are the options they have at that point in time? Yeah, of course. And and so this is the beautiful thing about Grant Cardone is, and this is where he really helped me because I was trying to figure out how do I go really wide across thousands of industries and help people uh, and not get bogged down in just one vertical or two verticals and be able to do it consistently across hundreds and hundreds and thousands of businesses. So we're very simple. Hey, if you're a business owner and you just want us to educate you on the elements that create value for your business, you can go through our programs and anywhere from a boot camp at a thousand dollars to right. we have masterminds and 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 online uh, in depth operating programs. You could spend up to a couple hundred thousand dollars. But if you want to be educated in the marketplace that you're currently operating in, and you want to understand the behaviors, the characteristics, those ten elements, and benchmark where you're at against that to understand where there's instantaneous value within your business. You can pay us and be educated on us just breaking open and showing it to you. The other way is you can hire us to engineer your business model, taking all that data, all that research, your market research, your competitive density, your, your, your perfect client avatar, a lot of the work you do to operationalize through marketing and, and operational effectiveness with something as simple as answering a phone and converting it to an appointment and converting the appointment to a sale. And now what value the sale was converted and what add-ons were, were added onto that and what referrals came from a pleased, satisfied, excited, delighted client. And then how do you measure that? How do you monitor? That's all the excellence you do. And, and so, so, so the thing is most of these independent businesses don't know how to build that structure in their organization, but if they understood the roadmap, somebody actually built it form and could point them to here's where you're going to maximize your business's value. Because here's the thing, statistically across hundreds of thousands of businesses, there's natural breakpoints in businesses. Those breakpoints at the top of each breakpoint, and there's seven breakpoints to go from startup to being a platform company. Breakpoint one is 100,000 to 3 million. Breakpoint two is three to eight. Breakpoint three is eight to 15, then 15 to 25. And, and here's the thing, and, and so on and so forth, 25 to 45, 45 to 75, 75 to 125. Now, at each one of those breakpoints, there's predictors that state, and I think it's really important to understand the national statistics for all businesses under $100 million. This isn't unique to any particular vertical. Nationally, 97% of all businesses under $100 million will fail every 10 years. Two-thirds will fail in the first five years. So the bigger ones that make it through the first five years still fail. Only 3% of the businesses get to where they succeed if they're under $100 million. Now, another statistic that's critically important, and this has been true for 20 years, another statistic that's critically important 
is there are three different verticals. Home services is one. Now, you know how many businesses are in home services. Small healthcare services is another, and small uh, services like accounting firms, lawyer firms, things like that. There's three different industry verticals. There's hundreds and hundreds of businesses in those industry verticals. But what's compelling is the fact that those three verticals across those different markets employ 67% of the domestic workforce, and they represent 45% of the total economy in the United States, the GDP, 45%. But yet, they're only represented 6% on the stock market. So on the backs of these independent business owners who, who thrive to survive every single day in breaking through or breaking from those breakpoints, either breaking through the next level or breaking their business, right? Those business owners who, who, who thrive to survive and have the resilience to push through, build a business to a certain size, and then they get totally jacked on the valuation of their business by the big consolidator because they're able to put so much pressure on them in the marketplace or they have the negotiating power, especially what we're going to see right now in a down cycle, the negotiating power to break the backs of small business owners who are, who are struggling to stay in business, struggling to be an employer of choice in a micro market, struggling to negotiate with suppliers, struggling to manage the payroll and the rolling uh, uh, cycles of, of ordering supplies and ordering materials and then delivering them, like all the things that small business struggles with. And that's why less than 3% will survive it over 10 years. They, they get crushed and private equity looks for those platform companies across those 10 elements. And if you know the behavior and you know what's happening in the marketplace and you watch it, you study it and you drill it down to the individual business owner and you can figure out how to map it out for that guy or that gal, they can kill it. And that's what we're about. And we're not a friend to private equity, but we are a friend of the independent business owner who will at the right time show them how to access private equity to maximize their value. Sure. When the time is right. So, and, and that's just it. Like, I, I love that you kind of went to that, um, like the behaviors piece of it, because one of the questions I wanted to ask you for just for our listeners to know and understand is, you know, some of the key metrics are like the KPIs that you guys use to measure like this contractor success or to, because you can somewhat from just based on your experience too, and pre predict what the roadblocks are going to be or pre in which, you know, in which department, whether it be sales ops, you know, whatever marketing, is there some sort of uh, key metrics that you guys look at? And there's one specifically I'm going to ask you if you don't bring it up, I'm going to save it till later because it's the first time I ever thought about it was when you shared it with me and Anna, when we were over at your office. I'll, I'll RPE <laughs> revenue per employee. Is that the yeah. one? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the one, but hang tight. Yeah, I, do, I will. I, I promise. I do want to hit on that one for sure. Um, but it's something that I took with me now, and we've actually started utilizing here at Rhino. So thanks for giving me that. Appreciate it. Of course. But um, what are some of the like metrics that you guys are using, the KPIs that you guys are using to start to help these contractors when they come in, whether it be from the coaching perspective or, or they come in as a legit partner to help the success of this thing or, or to move it forward? Yeah, this is great. And, 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 and what I really love about you, by the way, is you track a lot of these KPIs as well. And so you and I, we, we kind of geeked out when we first met on, you know, something as simple as what are the elements that make the phone ring? When the phone rings, what are the elements that converts that call into something that you can provide to the consumer uh, or the customer in order to get them to move forward with you? So you have flow. So all the different elements in business that create flows. Well, well, most of these guys don't even have their technicians out promoting their business when they're on site working with, with clients. And they're not having them go through the list of the different add-on services they could do while they're there to maximize the dollar value of a single, a single point of contact. So, so you have three elements in all businesses, flow, conversion, retention. Businesses across 4,000 different businesses, hundreds of different markets. Businesses that average over 65% repeat customer transactions are more valuable than businesses that are 80 or 90% new customer transaction. Now, let's test this in the HVAC specific space. And, and just, I know we talked about it, but we, we uh, have hundreds, we, I launched this business with Grant Cardone 40 months ago. We're going to, our run rate right now in our third year in business, we'll do probably 
80, $85 million from startup, no invested capital, no debt. We have 200 full-time employees. We've launched 10 different vertical companies and, and some of them are blowing up like, like, like our health business. Dana White has been talking about our 10 X health and how it's changed his life. And, and so people are like, they could have easily said, well, what does he know about wellness, health and wellness. He wasn't in that space. No, I wasn't. But I did my homework. We launched the business. We acquired a $200,000 business in September last year. And right now we're doing about $4 million a month. Okay. So, and, and I got Dana White as my lead guy out promoting this business for us because of the change we've had in his life. And this will be a billion dollar enterprise faster than you can blink. Well, we go and look at the flow conversion retention of these businesses. And we look at uh, how they're maximizing flow across all the different ways, which you're an expert at, of creating flow. But most people think, oh, you know, I'm going to spend a bunch of money in marketing, but I've got horrible reviews. So as soon as I spend money in marketing, someone goes and pings me and looks at my reviews. They're like, nah, I'm going to move off of that. Or I'm spending all this money in marketing and yet I'm treating my employees like shit and they're going and telling people they hate working for me, but I'm spending money in the markets they live. Now, you might be like, how do you know that's true? Because we've reverse engineered thousands of businesses. And when we see in, we look at every single transaction within a marketplace, most businesses receive 80% of their transactions statistically across about a four to six mile range of where their corporate headquarters is located. And it degrades as you go outside of that. Okay. And when you look at that, and then you look at how many competitors are in the market, how many uh, avatars, perfect clients are there in the market? What's your revenue per relationship? What's your average transaction value? Are you working with a builder? Are you working with a this? Are you working with that? Well, remember what I said, 65% of repeat sales is always worth more than a business that's 80 or 90% new sales. Now, just apply that in HVAC. If you're in the HVAC space and you specifically only do new home sales, you're worth less to the private equity guys than if you're doing home services, true or false. Oh, it's for sure true. Yeah, for sure. For That's sure. Well, the that we live in is that whole, is that whole, I don't know, replacement service model, not so much new construction. Exactly. So, so it's already proven out in your market, what I'm telling you, the statistics show, and we, that's, it's a major benchmark that we look at, but going back to the 65% versus 80 or 90%. Now you got a question, which is average revenue per relationship. So how clear and concise are you in the conversion of the business? So so, so you've got flow, all the different ways to create flow, being very intentional about that conversion, all the different things and ways and bundles of value you can convert and then retention and, and how good are you at retaining that client and having recurring revenue over long periods of time that stack. And this is why if I was in HVAC business and I didn't understand these three components, I would want to be highly educated because the private equity guys are going to value you most on the third component recurring revenue, even if they're smaller dollars, because the lifetime value of the client and the continuity of the relationship is more valuable than selling one time at the beginning, because that's at risk, which we're going to see in, in the next 36 months as interest rates increase, new home sales, new home installations will decline. Commercial properties will decline. But home services, people are going to be like, and this was proven in COVID. They're like, I ain't selling my house. I'm going to stay right here, but I need to, I need to optimize my home. Yeah. And when you go in and build that relationship, not only can you optimize them for your HVAC business, but you can optimize them for all digital relationships with homeowners that, that you're converging or converting their home to a technologically based home. And you saw this happen when Magnolia Hi-Fi was acquired by Best Buy in 2007 and 8, it wiped out two-thirds of the home theater installers. But today, that business has 50 60% less competitors in it. But those people that are in it are five times bigger than they were when the marketplace was the size it was. And now they're called home automation. So the home theater guys that survived, the one-third, the average business, there was 12,900 of them, by the way, when this happened. And over 36 months, that declined down to over 4,000. And those 4,000 were independently owned mom-and-pop businesses. And you know who got wiped out? The big ones. Circuit City got wiped out. All the big regional players got wiped out because they were top-heavy. Yeah. The slammers got wiped out because you could start ordering stuff online and having it delivered to your house. 
But the tweeners, the the well-run, mostly family-owned or well-orchestrated businesses, but now those businesses are five times better and they've pivoted to home automation and they're worth a lot more than they were then because they're not just selling a home theater and installing it and leaving it. They're actually wrapping the whole home with automation. But if you go in an HVAC and you touch that home, you have a chance to bring all that into the home. And so you're the front or the point of the spear and if you're there first, you get to wrap that whole house with affiliations, relationships, revenue share structures, everything that your average HVAC business owner isn't even thinking about. But if you're private equity and you have portfolios of hundreds of companies, you are definitely thinking about it. For sure. For sure. You know, one thing you mentioned, I think that still is that is still a common miss by a lot of contractors is this um, lifetime value of a customer thing. Because it's still, there's still a lot of short-sighted, uh, you know, right now, what, what can I get most out of it, out of a, um, you know, like, oh, sweet, we're in the home. What can I max out on this one-time visit? Because I might not get them again is the wrong mentality. It needs to be that retention model. Because you said flow, conversion, retention. I still believe in that retention model. There's still a massive miss among the majority of contracts. Oh, a hundred percent. And this is why, by the way, uh, Ken Goodrich, this is why when I talk about a platform company in those 10 elements, don't forget, I mentioned data and automation, full integrated automation, because now what happens is they can invest the tens of millions of dollars. By the time they get to 125 to 175 million, you're going to invest $10 million over the period of time with manpower, consultants, advisors, and technology stacks to be able to measure and monitor this stuff in real time so that you can react and maximize the lifetime value of a client. But you're never going to be able to automate that. Now, you saw a great example in your space. There's been some phenomenal successes in tech stacks that have rolled out and bypassed the, the middle guys and just built the tech stacks that people can deploy into their business. But what we find with all the businesses that we on, uh, bring online and reverse engineer their business model is that they're only using about eight to 12% of the tech stack capability because they don't, to your very specific point, they don't understand or appreciate the value proposition in mastering the full tech stack. Yep, yep. Or, or, or taking the time to understand all the options. And, and, and then of course it's implementation. It's, it's almost like a, um, anytime I go and give like a keynote, you know, or a, or a breakout session or whatever, anytime I'm going and speaking anywhere, Brandon, I always talk about like this 95 five rule and I'll kind of give you like a quick high level on it. And I can't remember if we had this conversation or not, but it's kind of the same thing of where having been in this space now, you know, 15, you know, 15 years of doing digital marketing for HVAC plumbing electrical specifically, um, I can go and share in a keynote and give away six things that they could go back and implement themselves without paying anybody a dollar. And 95% of them in that room might take a note. They're going to go back and they're going to go right back into doing the same thing they're doing before they left. So took the time away, but then it's the 5%, those five percenters that actually go back and implement and try things and maybe roll it out the wrong way, but then change it up and do it a different way are typically the ones we start to see have the most success. And I'm not necessarily saying they did become the biggest, but they're successful. Like they're moving your business from one to three to five to 10 to like to down the path. So I'm a big believer in implementation, right? Which is critical. It's just most get all these tools, like even if it's this tech stack and they use a small percentage of it when they have all this firepower that they could potentially dig into. Guess what? If you can't figure it out yourself and you're an owner, uh, find somebody to help come and figure it out with you. Like this is where partnerships like this come into play too, is you understand how to implement these things and actually max the value of them. And so, I, I, you know, and you, you do this for people when it comes to connecting flow conversion retention and you, 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 they can hire you to, 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 to make that whole structure work so much better and you can guide and advise them. But to your point here, so I've spent my whole career understanding and I have been four times over a small business owner who's evolved to running huge businesses. And what I can tell you is that that's why across those 10, 10 elements, leadership is the sixth or seventh. I mean, because most business owners, 
If you go back to Emeth and Gerber's work, and this is part of our research, I worked with Michael Gerber on this in 2007, 8, and 9. Gerber actually in 2009 went out on Michael E. Gerber radio and said, I have never, ever actually seen an Emeth company until I met Brandon Dawson. And we were looking at doing these Emeth books and things that he ended up doing, but I went a different direction. But I'll tell you, here's the thing. 67% of businesses were started by people who are technically inclined. They didn't want a boss. They didn't want to be told what to do. They didn't want a limitation on their earnings. They didn't want to be held down by anybody. They didn't want to have to be accountable to anybody. They didn't want somebody enforcing discipline. And then they started a business and they became successful at it. But what happens is I call it the entrepreneurial dilemma. They, they continue to carry this inside of them as a, as, a, as a foundational belief that this is how people want to be engaged in the workforce. And it's just it's until they actually increase their capacity and their leadership awareness, um, they're going to get stuck because the true fact is, and Gallup poll does a survey every single year, a hundred million workers are surveyed in the United States. Two thirds are disengaged or actively disengaged. In fact, 18% of a hundred million. So 18 million people said they're intentionally sabotaging the place they work because they don't feel connected to the business. They think they're getting screwed over by the business owner. Now, the psychology of this is what is particularly interesting. Most business owners are foundationally and fundamentally good people. They, they actually have this flawed, broken belief that the people that work for them are like they were, so they don't want to tell them what to do. They don't want to give them direction. They don't want to force them into training. They don't want to have professional development or personal development plans. They don't want to confront the earnings because they, they don't want to confront this because they didn't want it confronted. But every study shows to be a great, highly inspired, highly active, highly engaged employee, you have to have a clear roadmap. You have to have an understanding of what's in it for you. You have to have a culture you want to be a part of. You got to be on a team you want to win with. And so this is fundamentally not what caused business owners to get into business. So it's not that they're consciously trying to be poor business owners. It's that everything rises and falls on the belief about what's possible and why people make decisions and how they take action. And so they don't incorporate inspiration, discipline, accountability, transparency, alignment, and results in the business because they didn't accept it where they were at. So therefore they don't deploy it when they're in charge creature and it habit. causes the business to struggle. Yeah. Creature habit. 100%. So you can give them all the best advice in the world. They pick one or two things, they go home. And you know what's scarier about that? Because you and I both have been in this environment where there's other people up giving them advice because they're well-known personalities and people are writing with their pen. And you and I know they run shitty businesses. That's the scariest part about going to events and hearing from people that aren't breaking open the data and aren't actually showing you the results. I have people that come through Cardinal Ventures. They're like, okay, you said you started this business uh, exactly 38 months ago. You said in August of this year, you, your run right now is 10.5 million. Um, and they're like, it's just hard to believe you can create a business with no money, no debt, no anything that's running a healthy profit margin with all this upstart, all this added expense and, and build out in technology. It's hard to believe you can do that. Um, and we, we don't believe it. I'm like, great. Here's my finance guy. Pull out. Our first revenue was June of 2019. Pull that out and walk a month over month over month and do it for every one of our startups. And I'll do a webinar and show those numbers because the one thing I am is proud about what we've been able to build. And the other thing I am is I'm showing our, when I hire people, I tell them we're going from zero to hundred million in 60 months. And then from hundred million to 1 billion. And I show them all the leadership positions that are going to get created. I show them the economics that if you come in and, and start with us, how you can grow to being a vice president or president or a launch president of a new vertical and how much money you can make and how to make a million dollars and then how to become more 10 million. I show everybody this picture across the, what we call the employee maturity model. I show them the verticals we're going after. So when I'm hiring people, I'm not hiring them for the job today. I'm hiring them for them to put themselves in play for the job of their future and I'm showing them a roadmap of how to create their net worth. And that's the one biggest thing I would say to every person listening to this right now. Every HVAC person that runs a struggling business tells me, and this is true across all our home services. And by the way, in 
40 months, we now manage over 1.4 billion in, in businesses daily. It's, it's a pretty good size in, in less than four years. And, and all of our home services, solar, roofing, windows, uh, remodel, uh, HVAC, plumbers, electricians, all of them are lost in the work they're doing today and they're not painting the picture of tomorrow. Therefore, they're empl- if, if the owner's lost, I assert, I guarantee, I assure your employees are lost in their ability to succeed with you. And poorly run businesses, and tell me if you've ever heard this quote, it's so hard to hire good labor these days. Oh, never. That doesn't never hear that. <laughs> well, I'm just going to be honest with you, dude. And, and this is where like people that work with me, some people like me, some people don't like me because I'm just going to tell you the fastest way to success. And if, if you opt not to hear it, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it because I've already found my success. But the fastest way to success, success is understand no great employee or contributor is going to work for a shitty business owner. They Facts. have other choices. Facts. Yep. And a lot of them. And and what's actually a really good thing to share too. I mean, in this whole leadership thing is you got to want to be led by that person too. Um, But you also, I think as a, as a a leader in a business only know what you know, right? So you have to be willing to look outside of yourself and and, and humble yourself to ask for help. And and, and, and that's my other mentor uh, is, is John Maxwell, number one leadership authority in the globe. You can go watch my podcast on the B Dawson show with John. He's, he's, on the podcast specifically stated in his career, he's never met anybody like me. I've worked with John now since 2010. I've helped John in his business. Um, and, and I've deployed what John's taught in leadership and, and, and operationalized it across all 10 of those elements. And I've worked in his business with his team on those 10 elements. And, and so it takes a really strong leader. Let me just make this point. It takes a really strong leader when you're the number one leadership guru in the world with 120 books, prayed with every president and world leader that accepts any form of Christianity it takes a strong leader to say, hey, Brandon, I need help in my business. Can you yeah. come help me? So yeah. now I want to ask the question of the people that we deal with every day. How many of you are sitting back saying, hey, I'm raising my hand, man. I just need some help. Yeah, good for you. I mean, that's I, that, thanks for sharing that story. I'll be with John Maxwell in about three weeks. Just ask him. Just mention my name. Hey, I'm, John, a good friend, a good friend of mine mentioned your name. Do you know Brandon <laughs> Dawson? And see what kind of response you get. I will for sure. And then I'll, and then I'll text you. <laughs> um, hey, let's do this because I know we're kind of running up on time and I want to make sure I'm cautious with your time too. Um, and if you have a little bit of wiggle room, that'd be cool. Just cause I want to hit on these. I got couple. lots of wiggle. Dude, there's no higher priority than talking to your listeners with a good guy like you. Cause I know uh, you're committed to their success. Are you flirting with me, Brandon? I'm always flirting with you. <laughs> All right. So, hey, listen, we started kind of talking about um, on some of these metrics to that whole RPE thing. And I just want you to explain to our listeners the revenue per employee model and like and what you and how you guys utilize it. Yeah, great. Uh, so so across the 4,000 businesses, when we did the research from 2009 all the way up to 2017, so you can see that's a fairly uh, wide spectrum. Um, and it, and it took into consideration 4,000 businesses across hundreds of hundreds of different sectors. This included technology companies, op- traditional operating companies, traditional services companies, traditional product based companies. Um, and, and, and what we found is a business that's what I define in, in, in my IP and the technology we built maps all this out. This is what we do with business owners. If your business is running what's called what, what I call thin and wide. So you have, you have lots of revenue and lots of employees, and you're running at $100,000 of revenue per employee. Now, some people are going to be like, but I, what if I have contractors? And what if I have 1099? And what if I have uh, offshore? And what if I have, this is why you got to come to the program. And this is why no definition, I'm just going to tell you, nobody can promise a single definition for every business across all spectrums, because if they do, they're full shit. Because <laughs> there are unique nuances for every single business, even in the same sectors. Yeah. So, so you got to understand the guidance and advice you're giving somebody based on the uniqueness of their business, their enterprise, their organization. So go to meetings and take notes from supposed advisors, but you got to understand fundamentally where your business is at in the cycle before you go deploy or you break. So a thin and wide business is $100,000 of revenue per employee with lots of revenue. So a $10 million 
business that has has what's 10 million divided by 100,000. The math is pretty easy. So, so that would be thin and wide. Narrow and deep is where you're running uh, you're running a high-valued business, but you only have like one client or three clients. So if I'm in the home services space and I have two of the biggest regional builders and those are my only two clients, that's called narrow and deep. I have a lot of revenues. And trust me, when private equity is coming in and doing due diligence on your business, they're using the same formulations I'm sharing with you right now. Because the higher the risk, thin and wide is high risk and narrow and deep is high risk. But there's a lot of value if you know where that value exists in both of those businesses if you aggregate it into something else. So understand value is in the eye of the beholder and the person who's aware of the strategic opportunity to take advantage of the situation. Now, if your business is running at $250,000 of revenue per employee, you're usually running between 15 and 20% profitability across those different. Now, every business has a unique indicator because some of you might have been overly bold and built huge facilities and bought lots of trucks and you have few revenues. So you might be like, oh, okay, well that, so you have a different implication. So I want to make sure it's the combination of all these 10 elements all the way from, from, from strategy to investment thesis that I talk. It's understanding where you're existing inside of that represents your profitability for revenue and the type of services you're doing. So at 250,000, usually across all those elements, it's 15 to 20% profitability. At 500,000 of revenue per employee, you can be running as high as 25 to 50% profitability. What's important is to understand where your business is compared to those matrices and how to fundamentally target improving your revenue per employee. Now, when you and I had a conversation about this, you were like, I'm going to go home and put some attention on this. So what have you been able to do with revenue per employee? Well, it's helped us with projections. It's helped us with um, like our, from our staffing perspective on when to staff appropriately, keeping an eye on different levers of, of uh, like when is the right time to make those moves? Are we maintaining the bottom line? We bring the bottom line with us. So there's been like some, and we're still like super new into, into using it because it hasn't been that long. I think we're maybe three, four months into it. Yep. But as we keep going, we're uncovering new things, just new levers and new metrics and things to look at. So it's at least giving us, oh, I better look deeper into this piece over here. Oops, I better look better deeper into this piece. But the biggest impact that's had on us right now is the right time based on our projections to hire ahead in preparation. Exactly. And that's the number one mistake business owners make is they don't have those kind of forward looking perspectives. So they hire when it's too late. And they keep people too long when they're underperforming. And so because, oh, you know, maybe they're a friend or they're my long lost cousin from from church and I hired him to be my bookkeeper. And so in those break points uh, that I talked about earlier, and this is why educating you as a, the number one most important thing. And, and I'll give credit to all these independent business owners out there. Most of the advice they get are from associations or vendors that are trying to sell their shit. So, so it's, 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 it, they, they don't always believe it is the problem and they shouldn't always believe it depending on who's delivering it. Right. And, and the reason I love you is because your data, your, your data driven, uh, operational effective organization. I knew that when we sat down and you walked me through your matrices that you mapped to, and I'm like, all right, you're on it right now. The problem is you go to these associations or you go listen to the private equity guys that are talking about trends in the marketplace and they're all setting you up. Grant wrote a book called Sell or Be Sold. Here's the thing you have to know as a business owner. You're either doing this selling or you're being sold. And you either need to sell yourself on understanding where do you maximize value? How do you create a high-valued business system. I'm already working every day. I might as well know what the indicators are. I might as well know what the rules are. I might as well develop myself. Law of the lid. John Maxwell talked about 21 irrefutable laws. First law, law of the lid. Lid's a cap. Yep. The only way you can grow your organization is to grow yourself because you are the lid. You're the highest level of, of, of example in that organization. And if you don't care, you're not going to hire anybody to care bigger than you. So you lose good people that want to do more because you're not painting a picture of success. Bingo. 
There are so many fundamentals areas for business owners to, to, to learn, but it's not that complicated. It just takes your attention. And I'm, the benefit I'm giving you is you've got so much shitty advice from your local accountants and your local lawyers and your local friends that you're lost a little bit. You're meandering and you're picking and choosing. And most entrepreneurs build businesses through trial and error. And as soon as you find pain in one area, you back away from it. You don't lean into it. Right. So, so I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. But the only thing I'd like you to ask yourself is if there was a place where I could learn more. In fact, why don't you and I make a pack right here? I will do a special event for people specifically in the HVAC space at the UFC center in Las Vegas. I'll bring in some of the top world-class fighters to talk about performance and how dedicated, resilient, and committed, but most importantly, how They've had to develop techniques to become the world class. They didn't just, it didn't just happen. It was an intention to develop a technique. And the question I'd like each of your listeners to listen to, if you're an HVAC, who's helping you help your team develop the specific technique, not just put the time in, not just take the blows, not just train on the weight sets and, and on the stamina, but actually the technique, the, the critical technique to know in an instant when to throw an arm bar or when to do something different or how to hold your opponent down and wear them out or crush them from being able to breathe. Like who's teaching your team the techniques of success. And if you and I make a pack, that room will hold between five and 700 people. I'll dedicate three days to breaking down every single thing that you and I both know to be true specific to HVAC and we'll invite, we'll have to figure out the ticket price, but I'll try to do it for under $500 a seat. And we'll invite whoever wants to come and learn from the two of us exactly the matrices, the structures, the strategies, exactly what's happening. See, this is, this is what I love about business because when I announced a year ago that we're coming to HVAC, so many slammers were slamming oh, wow. Grant and I. What do these guys know? Grant's a car salesman. Brandon doesn't, you know, whatever. Here's what my challenge is. My challenge is for all of you that want to think that way, you stay being invisible in your own little bubble, in your own little world, dealing with whatever you're dealing with. And for those that actually could step out of that bubble and say, what do these guys know that maybe I don't know? What could they share with me that could help me improve my value? What options do I have in this business right now to maximize my value, align my teams, put the best systems in place, be operationally effective, create massive value in my organization, understanding what the value levers are today in our marketplace based on the current behaviors and activities of the people investing in it. For those people that are like, wait, 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 I want to come learn that. You and I, I'll do a three-day and we'll break my shit and your shit down. And I'll bring in some of the people that just had massive transactions. You and I both know because we've both been involved with talking to those people and talking to the people thinking about getting them. And, and so we are as current as current can be and we'll break it all down. What, what say you to that challenge? I say, you know, I'm down. I'm game for that. And I, cause I think there's a lot we can do with that. So that's cool. I'm glad you brought that up. It's something that could be fun. We can do, um, and I'm always game for I, anybody that's listening to this. If you live in that bubble, get out of the damn bubble. Like, first off, be humble enough or even be vulnerable enough to not have all the answers and not know all the things. There's no way you like I look at this. If I'm ever going to step away and leave my family and leave the employees and go somewhere, I'm incredibly intentional about what I'm doing. I'm going with the I took the time away. And I'm going to take something back that I've learned and I'm going to implement. There's no way you don't walk out of there with something that you can implement, make your business better. There's no way unless you just choose to not listen or implement when you get back. So I'm down. Like I, that is like my, you know, you, you, you've got to know me and, and Anna and know like one of our core values is giving back. And, um, and so this is a phenomenal situation where we can give this back to our listeners too. So obviously we got a lot of uh, logistics to think through there, but I'm a hundred percent. Don't worry about it, man. I run these events, you know, I've got 750 <laughs> to a thousand people coming in November for our first ever 10 X business boot camp. We do, we do almost, uh, I think we ran 88 or 90 events last year. Sometimes we go back to back. Uh, we, they've been anywhere. Like our, wow. our, our growth con event will have 8,000 people in Las Vegas. Our lineup of the guests that are coming to this are going to be off the 
charts. And 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 for anybody that that that's listening to this, if you go to 10 xhealthsystemcom the first thing you're going to see is Dana White, the president and co-founder of the UFC, promoting our health programs because of the impact. In fact, we've opened a facility up in the UFC. I don't know if anybody understands, but getting in the UFC is like getting into Fort Knox. <laughs> we actually have a presence in the UFC and I'll run the event and get some of those fighters to come over because we've been working with them as well. And, and, and that's an indication of how fast we can move into a marketplace, find a thought leader and move very quickly into operational excellence because I've built 10 millions of dollars worth of systems and technology and platforms. I formatted all this research into an operating structure that makes success easy for business owners and entrepreneurs. And of course, I said it, you're either being sold or you're selling. Grant's book, Sell or Be Sold. Uh, we're going to be selling you on taking advantage of our best practices. You don't even know I'm saying this. I'm saying it because... I know what you do for business owners because I work with the same people you work with. And you take a piece of the business on that I can sit back and go, thank God somebody's responsible in doing this because then I can do the other pieces of the business that we can help them move bigger, better, faster, more valuably. And if anybody wants to see how this all interconnects, man, you just need to make yourself available. And by the way, I've never had an event that wasn't unbelievable. I promise the people that will show up to that event and the location will do it in at the UFC Apex Center. I might even leave the damn octagon up. <laughs> do it from the octagon. I've spoken from a lot of places, man, but I've never done it from an octagon. That'd be pretty Let's do it. I'll tell you, I'll just leave the octagon in, in place. That'll be our stage. That, that's sick. I'm game for it. So hey, let, let's do this too, because I, I we're kind of towards the tail end of this thing too. And I think this is another great segue. Uh, but you have, like you mentioned, the boot camps too. Is there something that our listeners can do? You know, make, um, like, is there one of those that they can attend? I know you guys have one that's coming up out here in Scottsdale. I don't know if it's already booked out or what, but um, we're always, you know, we can always make room. That's the that's the thing. If we have the right people coming, so we in November. Uh, if you just go to cardoventures.com forward slash events, you'll see what programs, or go to grantcardone.com events. Um, you'll see all. I mean, we're running simultaneous programs going on all over. You know, when I met Grant, he had a couple hundred employees. We're at 800 across all our business enterprises now. We have over $5 billion. You know, and everyone told, said, what does Grant Cardone know? He's a car guy. What does he know about multifamily? He's uh, raised over a billion dollars of crowdfunding in the last five years, more money than any human being on the planet. No middleman, no commissions paid to anybody. It's completely disrupted how Wall Street works. We've got over $5.5 billion of multifamily real estate. By the way, you might like to know that we're in escrow right now to close on a quarter of a million square feet for a 10X campus here in Scottsdale. <laughs> a quarter of a million square feet. I just want your Damn. listeners to think how big that is. It's huge. Uh, well, listen, so cool. Um, I, anything that's like, like I said, I just like you listen here listening to you too and just listening you know I, I get to soak up some of what you're saying too and sharing and and anytime you can do it in a bit like with Rhino X I know that we were close last year but you guys you happened to be in town at the same time we run in our Rhino X conference and that's when I had Tyson Mike Tyson in here and um and anytime I was you can just sitting next to him at the fights dude he came in and crushed it like even though he arrived, we we had him come in for entertainment value. He came in and absolutely blew everybody away. He crushed. Well, it. he knows. He personally knows what it's like to have it all and lose it because you didn't pay attention to it. Yep, that's it. And then have to rebound from it. Yep, and then own it, own it, and move on. And then, but there's a good, there's a good success. There's a good upside to it. But, but I can imagine the events that you you would put on would not only be educational, which is number one important, but also highly entertaining. So if you can do oh, the, look, maybe I don't know if Dana. We'll have to pick the date. If Dana's in town, maybe I'll have him pop by. Sick. Well, listen, um, we will also share this. I think this is podcast actually is going to go out in what two weeks next. Or actually, we might even roll this one out next week to kind of give enough uh, headway to for people to sign the up. November boot camp. Yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah. So we'll maybe push this one up and roll it out next week. Um, but visit the site. You know, I don't know if um, if that's probably the best way to to try. And I mean, it, I understand like it's really hard to connect with you directly, but you have, certainly have assistance that, that can help and things like that. Of course. But, and and if they go in there and hit the registration page for any of our events, they just uh, they just need to say that they heard it from your podcast, and and our team will know. The other thing is, you can always follow me on Brandon M. Dawson or go to my YouTube page. Um, just, you know, business with Brandon, um, 
podcast, YouTube, whatever, just, you know, and, and I'm the Brandon M Dawson with the blue check mark on Instagram. Cause there's a lot of phonies out there. So, so look at any way you want to communicate, you can, you can, you can pr- pretend that you're not watching and go watch the Instagram. You'll see how much we're moving around, what we're doing. We've got our events linked to my Instagram page, or you can go hit the site, whatever, man. And, and trust me, once you do start a relationship with you, we're going to, we're going to be all over you because we know what success looks like. Yeah. Well, listen, um, we'll share, we'll share some of those links too. So to make it easy to, to follow you and connect with you, but brother, man, I appreciate coming on, dude. I'm glad we made this happen. Yeah. Thank you. I I always love seeing you talking to you. You inspire me. I think anybody listening to this understand I meet so many different people in marketing and operations and leadership. And most of it is mediocre at best, but you guys run a tight, tight operation there. And I know that because we work directly with you on some of our projects and many of the clients I work with work directly with you across all home services. So if you're listening to this, uh, you know, I know you don't need it. You're on his show, but I I have (laughs) mad respect for this guy. Yeah, I respect, I respect you. I appreciate that. And thank you, man. That means a lot. I, I'm grateful that you said that. So um, I've always enjoyed our interactions, man. They're always good. I always take away valuable nuggets too. And the good news is I got this one recorded. So yeah, let's go <laughs> back and listen to it. So again, man, I appreciate you so much. And like I always do listeners, you know, I'm going to figure finish this thing off with, with a review. And um, the review this time is from Burwell 10. It's a five star it says great weekly must do. As a part of must of the must do's weekly to the point podcast is critical and always relevant information to get timely nuggets or monumental actions to impact you individually or uh, and your business. Thank you. Well, whoever that is, thank you so much for leaving those reviews. I love that type of stuff. And listen for this episode in particular. If you want to leave a a review for Brandon, I promise you, we'll make sure my team gets it over to him so he can see it. He always appreciates seeing that kind of stuff as well. So. Uh, Brandon B Dub, appreciate you, bro. Looks like we got an event to put on in Vegas. I'm down. Yeah, let's go. I'll get I'll get some dates going, flowing your way. Cool. We'll get something put together into our listeners. You know, guys, everything he said. He said talked about flow. Talked about conversion, retention, the revenue per employee model. He shared a lot of information. You don't got to do everything, but you got to do something. No zero days. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, It's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.